it's good to have you in the house of the Lord this morning. And if I made it awkward, that's what I do. Um, so we're, we're thankful for you all this morning. Good to have all of our guests. Uh, it looks like we have some, some unfamiliar faces back here in the back. Thank you for coming this morning. I don't know your names or I would have called them out. Um, but thank you for coming this morning. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord with you. And we appreciate your presence this morning with us. I am looking forward to preaching a word to you this morning uh, entitled, The Man in the Mirror. Now, I know that's a song that wasn't on purpose, okay? And I'm not going to quote Michael Jackson, so don't worry about it. Chapter number 1 of the book of James, verse number 19. When you're there, say amen. So I assume everyone is there. You guys are quick. It says in verse number 19, So then, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. There's some wisdom in that. And all the ladies said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> let every man, I'm, I want to say he was talking about mankind there, uh, not man as the, as the male. But y'all ladies use it however you want to. So then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. My wife says amen. For the wrath of men does not produce the righteousness of God. Some of you ladies need to keep that in your arsenal. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Are you all with me this morning? When I read the scripture, as I'm reading it, it's just powerful to me. I don't know, as I, as I read and I read words that are saying to be slow to speak and slow to wrath, but quick to hear, it's powerful. It just I feel it in my spirit. And when it says, receive with all meekness the implanted or imputed word which is able to save your soul, there's something that jumps out at me in that. But verse number 22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, and he goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. For... Uh, but but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I want to just read one more time verse number 24. For he who observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Let's pray over the word. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you for this time of worship. God, I thank you that today we're not brought here. I want everybody under the sound of my voice to understand that they are not here 
by happenstance. Whether they come here every week or they're a first-time visitor, you have ordained this moment for them to hear from heaven. God, it's, it's up to us if we tap into what you have for us this morning. But you are patiently always waiting. The scripture says it like this, that the Spirit of God is roaming to and fro throughout the earth, seeking one that he can show himself mighty in. And so, God, I know that your Spirit is even in this place. You said where two or three are gathered in your, uh, you're in the midst of them. And so God, I pray right now that as your spirit is here, it would give unction. It would give utterance to what I say. God, let me speak as the oracles of God. Lord, hide me behind your cross. Hide me behind your word. Hide me behind you, Jesus, so that what I say is only what you would say and nothing more. God, let them hear. Let the people hear and let lives be changed. Let it be powerful. Let it be rhema in their lives this morning. God, let us leave this place knowing we've been in the presence of a powerful and mighty king, God, the one and only king of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. And amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the man in the mirror or the woman. I'm sorry, most of this message will be uh, in the mail uh, as we talk. It's, I'm going to be talking about man, women. I'm, I'm not chauvinistic. It's just the scripture said man and man in the mirror sounds like a more catchy phrase than woman in the mirror. Um, so that's what we're going with this morning. But know that if I'm talking about the man in the mirror, I'm talking about mankind. And so this is a multi-gender uh, message. It's for both genders, not for gender in, spe- in specific or undefinable, but yes, we can define the genders and it is for both. Somebody say amen. amen. I don't know if you knew what you were saying amen to because I'm not sure if I knew what I said, but, but amen. Anyhow, God's word's forever settled. So when we look into the mirror, this morning, I was going to have a mirror in this this morning I wanted to have one of those big you know swivel mirrors and I was going to get a hold of somebody and see if they had one uh, to use as an analogy this morning or as a as a uh, whatever you call that Um, say it sure we'll use that word that wasn't the one either does anybody else have one all that yep none of those were exactly what I was looking for so but my mind will think about it a little bit later but I was going to use one and 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 we were going to I was going to look at myself but then I thought I might get scared and so I didn't want to do that so then I was going to hold it up for you to look at yourself and then I thought I might get scared um so I didn't want to do that and so um what was it Blake illustration ding 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 we have a winner he, he got the word. Um, but I'm sorry, I'm going to get back on topic this morning. There's a squirrel in the house. But uh, when I look in the mirror, uh, I wonder, what do you see? Because this scripture is, is talking about uh, when we go to the mirror, or when we hear the word of God, but we don't do it, it's like a man who walks up to a mirror and he beholds himself, or her, uh, she beholds herself, and she recognizes who she is, but then she walks away from the mirror and soon forgets, or he forgets, who they 
really are. And I want to tell you this morning that sometimes when we look into the mirror, many of us don't like what we see. Now, we can look at that in three different ways this morning. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look into three different mirrors. There are physical mirrors, the mirror that I would have used as an illustration this morning, and then there are emotional mirrors that we could look into, and there are spiritual mirrors that we could look into. But this morning, when I would look into a mirror, if I were to look into a physical mirror, I honestly I would probably look back at myself and not like what I see. Matter of fact, getting ready for church this morning, I had these gray hairs right here on this side that were so unruly. I had my hair fixed a whole different way, but I had to just comb it over and go with the old comb over this morning because I didn't like what I seen when I looked in the mirror. And them gray hairs do their own thing. Somebody who knows what I'm talking about, please say amen. Okay. All right. Just wondering. And, and so sometimes when we look into the physical mirror, we see things that, matter of fact, most of us, unless we are really dealing with a big dose of vanity, we don't really love what we look at when we look into the mirror. Anybody say amen to that? I don't know. Maybe some of you guys are just like, hey, that's a good looking dude in that mirror. <laughs> Anybody want to tell on your sibling? Ever see them admiring themselves in the mirror? <laughs> Kayla's looking back for Daniel. Where's he at? <laughs> but, this, but this morning, you know, the reality is when we look in the mirror, sometimes we see ourselves and we say, oh, you're too tall. Oh, you're too skinny. Oh, you're too... Many of us don't have that problem of being too skinny. I, you know, I'm, I'm delighting myself in the fatness of the Lord. Um, but, I, I, but, I, but, I, but I look in the mirror and I see somebody who's too, you know, too fat or, oh, you're too ugly or, or oh, man, you, you, you're getting the marks under your eyes, them little crow's feet, and you're getting wrinkles and you're getting, you know, I, I, I quit doing this with my head because I started getting wrinkles up there and you're you know you're looking in the mirror and you're seeing something that's aging or you're seeing something that primarily you don't like how many of y'all uh can can identify with that you ever look in the mirror and just say man i just don't love what i see when we look in the mirror oftentimes we're not looking at what looks good we're not saying man those um nine million hairs on my head look good we're looking at those eight hairs that won't do what you wanted them to do. That's how I was this morning anyhow. Um, but, but we focus on all those negative things but the reality is that the mirror is what's portraying the reality of who we are. You can look in the mirror and you may not like what you see. You may not like that you're a little bit too big or you're a little bit too skinny. You're a little too tall or you're a little too short but the reality is it's still who you are. And while we're on that note, I want to let you know that God said that He made you fearfully and wonderfully and perfect in all of your ways, and so He created you to be who you are. Now, we have some part in that. I ate enough chicken that I created this belly without God's help, I think. Um, but hallelujah for the blessing anyway. And so uh, I, I have to decide if I'm going to make this belly skinnier or if I'm going to keep eating fried chicken. And right now you can see who's winning. The fried chicken's winning. But, but, but the reality is God made us fearfully and wonderfully but the reality is when we look in the mirror we see what we see and that's who we are you can you can not like your hair I I know everybody who's not a redhead loves red hair but every redhead looks in the mirror and hates it you can you cannot like it that you you know you have this or you have that but the reality is you are who you are sometimes we look in the emotional mirror and we see traits as we look at ourselves through the um, if you will just the metaphoric emotional mirror and we see someone who's broken we see someone who on the outside is wearing the 
the suit jacket that makes me look like a used car salesman today. Or we, we see, I'm sorry, I'm just using myself this morning. It's, it's working. We, we, we look and we see that we've cloaked ourselves in some kind of, you know, falseness. But the reality is the person on the inside is broken. The reality is sometimes we can have all the muscles on the outside, but on the inside we're worn out. Sometimes we look in that emotional mirror and, and we seem like we're bold and we, we're the quickest one to talk and we're the quickest one to answer and give an answer and a claim of God and all, of, all the good things of God, but the reality is on the inside we deal with fear. When we look in the emotional mirror, sometimes we look like we've got just picture-perfect skin on the outside, but on the inside there are scars where we've been damaged and damaged and people have beat on us. And every time we go away from another broken relationship, we bear a scar emotionally. It may not show on the outside. You may have it all polished up. But there's something there emotionally on the inside. Sometimes we look like we've got it all together physically and when we look in that physical mirror. But emotionally, if we were to look into the mirror, we would see someone who's addicted don't want to be addicted I don't want to be this way but I can't stop I try I give it my best effort even Paul I want to tell you in the scripture Paul said in in Romans chapter 7 the thing that I would not do I do it and the thing that I would to do I can't seem to get that thing done and he said oh wretched man am I I believe he was looking in the emotional mirror and saying I cannot stop doing what I keep doing even though I want to I just can't it's like not within me to be able to do it so then sometimes we look in the mirror and we see someone who see, we, we think we got it all together but we're really needy we need somebody to come alongside us or we look in the mirror and emotionally we think we've got it all together but there's really when you look at the mirror and you're honest with yourself there's really a liar underneath that mirror Because you can't seem to, there's just something inside you that compels you to embellish the truth so that it looks better, so that people see you in a better way. And then sometimes we get away from that emotional mirror and we begin to look at the spiritual mirror. And sometimes I can put on my suit and look good physically, but really in my spirit I'm cold. I'm confused. The enemy came so that you could be confused. He wants to deal with your mind so that you could be confused. Sometimes spiritually we look in the mirror and we're watered down or complacent or dead. The reality is I've, I've been very blunt sometimes in my life. There have been seasons in my life when I went to, to pastoral help for counseling, uh, went to somebody that I could confide in, a confidant, and said, I am spiritually dead. I just, I'm looking in the mirror and... I know the scripture. Many of you have heard me testify about going through a season when I was a youth pastor and I was trying to minister every week. I'd be ministering the truth of God's word to a bunch of young people. But inside, there was unbelief and I was dead. I was in a state of, uh, I was a zombie. I was walking around. I just The enemy was just tormenting me and spiritually, I was dead. 
Or maybe you're different. Maybe when you look in that spiritual mirror, you you may not have all the physical together. You may not even have all the emotional together. But the reality is one thing you do know is you get a dose of the Holy Ghost and I'm set on fire and I'm in revival. So spiritually, the mirror can look back at you and say, I'm revived. I'm someone who's on fire when I look in the mirror. And that's great too. But the reality is no matter what you see on a daily basis when you look in the mirror, it's probably not what you should see. Because you shouldn't see you at all. Because the scripture tells me that I should put on the likeness of Christ. Who should you see when you look in the mirror? When you look in the mirror, you should see someone who resembles the man or woman that you used to be. But for whatever reason, you keep looking to see if it's you. But, there, but it's, it's got the best Snapchat filter of this man from Galilee that's plastered right on top of your face, right on top of you. Some of us, we, when we're looking in the mirror, we see us, when really we shouldn't be seeing us at all because when we look in the mirror, we should see Him. We should be praying every day that God, when I look in the reflection of myself and when people look at me, I want them to not see just me physically, but I want them to see Jesus all over me. I want them to see not just me and not only do I want them to see, but God, when I look in the mirror, I want to see You inside of me. I want to see You physically in me. I want to see my countenance begin to change. When you get Jesus... As you're looking into the mirror, yeah, you may be looking at yourself, but your countenance has changed. Your skin begins to glow. Your face begins to glow. There's something about you that is different than it used to be, even physically. I can always tell when someone's come into the contact with God, into the presence of God, because their countenance has changed. Their physical appearance has changed. They, they, there's a glow about them from being in the presence of God. And I can tell emotionally when they look in the mirror, and they don't see themselves. When you look in the mirror and you don't see you anymore, but you see Jesus, emotionally you say, God, whatever state I'm in, I know to be content. Because like Paul, I know what it is to be abased and I know what it is to abound. But whatever it is, I still say praise God and I still serve the Lord. And people will begin to see that inside of you. You can be in a place where spiritually you you might be cold or confused or you may be revived. But when you look in the spiritual mirror, you should still see the man from Galilee in that mirror see many of us can't see what God sees but if we would look in the spiritual mirror we would see what God sees because the moment that you went to an altar the the moment that you decided to make Jesus the Lord of your life Jesus saw something God saw something that was miraculous This is going to sound gory and many people don't preach it. But the reality is when God looks at you, if he were the mirror, when God looks at you, he either sees sin or he sees son. It's the only two things he can see. He can never look upon you without seeing either sin or actually let me put it in a way that's just completely politically incorrect. He either sees sin or he sees blood. He either sees sin or he sees the blood of Jesus that was the atonement for your sin. He either looks upon you and he sees what is grotesque and separates you from him or he sees the the blood covering that covers you. Every once in a while we catch a glimpse of what God sees, but many of us are like this man in the scripture who walk away from the mirror and forget. 
who we are. We're forgetful hearers. So many times we become forgetful, forgetful hearers of the word. So often we look in the mirror and we see what God is speaking over us. Only to walk out of the church and immediately begin to curse what God's just called blessed. How many of us have been guilty of being in church service, having the greatest prayer prayed over you, are feeling the unction of God, walk out of there and begin to pronounce cursings over your own life? If not, just point to your neighbor and say, I know you're talking about them. Because I know you, if you're not talking about me, you definitely got to be talking about them. The reality is I'm talking to everyone in the entire building right now. You can act like it's somebody else, but the reality is many of us have received the vision of what God has called us to be time after time after time. We've come into the church service and we've given our heart to God. We've made our, our relationship with God afresh and anew. And we've looked in the mirror and we've seen something that's pleasing to God only to walk out and begin to bash it and only to walk out and begin to say, oh, I'm sick. Oh, I'm, I still have this illness in my body. Oh, I, I, I'm still angry. I'm still, I'm still yelling at somebody. Or, oh, I'm still ugly. Or, oh, I'm still fat. Or, oh, I'm still this. Or, oh, I'm still that. When the reality is God said that you were His. God said, I'm going to show you Jesus. And then you don't need to worry about the rest. So when you walk out of the building, you shouldn't be saying anything negative about yourself. You should be saying something positive about who God is inside of you that's the reality that's the reality we're forgetful hearers you know we 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 we, we come in and we hear the word of God and we change it changes us there's something powerful about the word of God that it changes you it changes you and if you're not hearing it in such a way that it's changing you you need to open up your ears and begin to hear it for what it is and allow it to make you like a man looking in a mirror and decide if you like what you see or you don't like what you see and decide to change the person that you put on and put on Christ right now in the name of Jesus I rebuke every word curse you've spoken over yourself because we get, we get all caught up on who speaks bad things against us when really we're the worst cursors of what God has blessed in our own lives. We're our biggest critics. How, how is it we can look in the mirror and look at the however many thousands of hairs on our head that are working good, but I look at the five that won't act, won't act right, and those are the ones that I want to focus on this morning. But I'm telling you that that's what we do in every aspect of our life. You could be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You could be blessed in the countryside and blessed over here and blessed over there, but there's one little corner of the world that you're not blessed in, and that's the one you want to focus on. You could be blessed with good health in 89% of your body and have a cold and begin to curse yourself over that cold and begin to wonder what it is that's not working. Why is it God's not working on my behalf? I rebuke every one of those curses you've spoken over yourself. See, what James is trying to say is to see what God sees in us, we must begin to speak what God speaks over us. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. To see what God sees in us, we need, we need to begin to speak what God speaks over us. And to that, it leads us to the point of this. that, And this is really the beginning foundation of what God led me to this week. That application is everything. Application is everything. So many of us 
have everything we need to accomplish what God is calling us to do. So many times we're waiting on the magic the, 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 you know, the magic trumpet to blow and somebody to usher us in and give it to us on a silver platter when really God has called you to do something and he's fully equipped you to do it. I dare say that every one of us are so close if not having everything. We're so close to having everything that we need to be all of what God sees when he looks at you. See, the key is when we look at the man in the mirror... Sometimes we see us. I just need to take us back to the beginning for just a second. Sometimes when we look at the man or woman in the mirror, we see us. And God wants you to see him. And God sees himself. I want you to know that when you took Jesus, when you accepted Jesus, when you decided to not be your own anymore and you became a Christian, no longer did God ever see you again. But he sees Jesus in you. No more when he looks at you does he see your sin, he sees his son. And so for us to see what God sees, we've got to say what God says. And application is everything. All you need to be what God sees is this, faith and obedience. If you're taking notes, write that down. To be what God sees, you just need faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Everybody say that. Faith and obedience. Faith to believe that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. What is faith? We talked about it. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I'm telling you though, when you have faith, it says that I'm going to move on what God said even though I don't have the manifestation of everything that I need right now. I know that all I need, really need is faith because faith will begin to speak and those things will become manifest. We talked about it a while ago. Faith supersedes physics. I need you to understand that. When you you begin to speak out what God is saying in your life. What am I talking about? Let me let me break it down for you so you understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about if you may have cancer in your body, but you begin to speak and say, uh, by, the, by the grace of God, by the stripes on Calvary, by his wounds, I am healed, and I declare it over myself. Faith begins to speak. And then that, ma- that healing can't help but begin to manifest because your faith begins to move in the, in, in the atmosphere and think Things become manifest out of nothing. All of a sudden your healing becomes manifest in your life. You need faith to be able to be what God sees in you. I'm telling you right now, no matter what's going on in your body, when God looks at you, he does not look at you and see Jesus with cancer inside of him. He sees just Jesus. And if you could begin to see what what God sees, then you would begin to say what God says and you would put on the righteousness of Christ. And you would say, God, manifest in me whatever is of you and get out of me whatever is not of you. Faith and obedience. Obedience to say, yes, Lord. Obedience to do what we talked about in worship today. To say, God, I'm available. God, I'm obedient. I'll do whatever you would have me do. Those are the two things you need to be looking at the man in the mirror and seeing what God sees. I need faith to do whatever he calls me to do and to speak things that are not as though they were. And I need obedience to do whatever he says to do and trust him for the outcome. You see, obedience says, yes, God. I'm I'm reminded in the scripture of, of two famous patriarchs throughout the scripture one of them by the name of Jonah. He's one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. 
And he had faith in God. He prophesied. He was a prophet. He had faith, but he lacked obedience. Let's look at why he lacked obedience, though. This is, I, I, you all know the story of Jonah? He's the guy in the whale, you know, the belly of the fish. You get it? Okay. We won't talk about the story. Let's look at why. So I guess we've got to talk about the story a little bit. He was told to go to Nineveh and prophesy against Nineveh, and then he didn't do it. And then there came a, a, a tempest wind, and it, and it came, and there was a storm, and he told the people in the boat, I don't know whoever does this, but he said, if you throw me out into the ocean, then everything's going to be okay. And they said, we don't want to do that. Now, that's, that's good. But, but then they had to throw him out into the water, and then the seas calmed down, and then he got swallowed up by a fish. Okay, good. Now we know the story of Jonah. And so the reason, though, that he got caught up even into the whirlwind was, uh, it was because God told him to go prophesy to Nineveh, but he didn't do it. He went the other direction. He had faith, but he lacked obedience. He didn't do what God told him to do. Now, if you read chapter number 4 you begin of, of the book of Jonah, you begin to see why he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Now, we think, many people have taught you as a child, that he didn't go to Nineveh because he was scared of the Ninevites, because they were a great city. He, we, we get told that it was, you know, in, in that same book of Jonah, it tells you that there was six score men, uh, six 6,000 score, however you say that, 120,000 people in Nineveh. And so we think of Nineveh as this great, mighty place, and we act like that Jonah was scared of man, and that's why he didn't go to Nineveh. But if you read chapter 4 of the book of Jonah, you find out that the reason he didn't go there, he starts complaining to God at the end, because when, when he says he goes to Nineveh eventually, when he gets spit out by the whale, he goes to Nineveh and he prophesies against it. As soon as he prophesies against Nineveh, everybody puts on sackcloth and ashes and they begin to repent before God. And then God repents of the evil that he was going to do against Nineveh, the scripture says. And then he, he changes his mind and he says, I'm not going to curse them anymore. And then we see in the chapter 4, we see Jonah say this, I knew it! I knew it, God! That's why I didn't go. That's why I didn't want to go. You told me to go prophesy, and I knew that if I went and prophesied, they, would go, they were going to do something to cause you to forgive them, and then because you're slow to anger and you're rich in mercy, that you were going to have forgiveness on them, and then what I say becomes a lie, because you told me that inside of 40 days you were going to destroy Nineveh, and here I've said what you said, and now you're changing your mind. This is why I didn't go. And I love that story because that is so much what we do when we lack obedience sometimes. The reason we lack obedience is because we think we know the outcome before the storyline begins. Sometimes we're like, God, let me, let me put it in your terms. Sometimes we're like, God, I know you're telling me to give them $100, but I've watched them blow money too many times. I know exactly how this is going to go. You're telling me to give them money. They're going to take my money. They're going to go blow it. Next thing you know, they're going to need money next week. Next thing you know, they're going to need money this time. I'm not going to go give them money. 
How, how many times have we said, oh, I know, that, I know there's this need and I feel like, God, you're, ca- you're trying to tell me to fix it, but I already know how it's going to turn out. I, I know, God, you're telling me to go pray with her, but every time, I, every time you tell me to go pray with her, I walk up to her and I start to pray with her and she's got deaf ears. She doesn't want to hear what I have to say. So, God, I'm not going to be obedient to you because I already know how this goes. Am I talking to anybody? I don't want to talk to my my family member again about you. Every time I do, it turns into an argument. And then we miss Christmas dinner together. And last time I did that, it didn't work out. So God, I already know how it's going to go. So I'm not going to do it. When the reality is God wants you to be obedient. To be obedient in the things when you may think you know what the outcome is going to be. Because how, if you're writing things down, you need to write this down. How can you trust him for great and unseen things if you can't trust him to be obedient when you already know what the outcome will be? Sometimes God has you go talk to somebody, not because they're going to hear you, not because you're going to have this miraculous change in their life, but to just see if you'll do it. I don't know how many times that God has told me You need to go rectify a situation. You need to go humble yourself and apologize. And I walked up to that person and I apologized when I wasn't even in the wrong. They did me wrong. And I apologized. And they gave me this ridiculous look. I'm not sore over it. Not bitter. They gave me this look and said, okay. And I'm like, right God God wasn't concerned what they do with it is on them God is looking for obedience out of us God is looking for us to say if God says it I'm going to go do it so many times God gives us a word for somebody Now, now listen please don't hear me wrong don't go don't don't think everything's a word from God and start going to every. But if you know that you've got a word for somebody, then you go deliver it discreetly. You just go deliver the word that God's given you. And if it's hit or miss or for some other time, God is maybe just trying to test your obedience. Jonah knew that God was a merciful God. He knew that as sure as he prophesied, if they would begin to repent, God would forgive them, and then he, were, he feared being a false prophet. He feared not only that, but he didn't like the Ninevites. He wanted them to die. So he was excited when he thought they would die, but then he, if you read the story, he gets all in his feelings and everything else, and he goes, and he's just hanging out there, and... and and he's, he goes outside the city, and he just pouts, and then God brings up a tree and shades him. And he's like, hey, that's pretty good. God grew a tree overnight and it shaded me. Then the next day, the tree's withered away and gone. And then he starts cursing. Cursing the tree. Cursing everything. God said, the tree wasn't there until I provided it. But then when I took it away, you were mad about it. Why do you have the ability to do that? He was saying to him, you're not God. Let me be God and you be the obedient servant. So many of us need to exercise that to be the man that God sees, to be the man in the mirror that we want to be. 
we need to exercise faith and obedience. One more story and then I'm going to close. Moses failed to be a doer of the word. Can you believe it? Moses. Moses of all people failed to be a a, a doer of the word. See, God spoke to Moses in Numbers chapter 20. And he said to him, now Moses had already smote the rock. Um, but, but But he says to him, he says, he says, I want you to speak to the rock and it'll bring forth water. And so he gets up in front of all the people and he says, I can't, I can't quote it exactly, but he says, must we do everything for you? And wax the rock twice. And water begin to flow out of the rock. Now here's what's, there's so much symbolism, there's so much great stuff in that scripture. Now he did it absolutely wrong, but God still brought about the water. God still brought about what needed to come out. But because of Moses' disobedience, he missed the promised land. God said, you're not even going to get to see the land of the promise. The thing that you've been called to do, I am now taking the fruit. I am taking the goal. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the, the prize away because of your lack of obedience. You know, I got to thinking about Moses, and I wondered if he said... If he just said to himself, you know what, I know how to do this. I know this rod. I know this rod has plenty of power. And so if I just hit this thing, I can do it my way and we can get the same result. And guess what? We still got the same result. But he didn't do it in obedience. And then I wonder, actually, and I think this probably is more accurate, that Moses was probably just so sick and tired of people. Anybody ever been sick and tired of people? I heard, I'm not going to name him, but I heard a pastor say one time, church would be great if it wasn't for the people. All of us have struggled with people. We, we just have, and you know, except me, because y'all are great. I'm being facetious. Lord, don't strike me down. But you are great. I can't recover from that. I'm not going to try. But here's the thing. Moses let the murmurings and the gripings of the people just bog him down. And here's... And and, and what happened, remember I told you a while ago, I told you even in worship service, that God has this power that he's put on words, that what you say becomes manifest, and and it's powerful, and the words that are spoken are powerful. And James says it like this, I believe it's chapter 4 of James, he says, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings, this ought not be so. He said, said the tongue is the smallest, one of the smallest muscles, but it's the strongest, it's like the rudder on a ship that guides where the ship goes and where it doesn't go. Why? Because your tongue has all the power to manifest the things from the spiritual into the natural. And, and Moses, he had heard the word of the Lord. God said, I want you to speak to the rock. Why? Because you, you have enough power in your tongue, you don't need to use the rod. All you have to do is speak to that rock and that rock will listen and begin to flow out water. But Moses said, no, I'm going to do it. I, I'm, I do it my way. And why did he do that? Probably because he got bogged down. He got confused. He was in 
the mirror looking at God and God was speaking to him and saying, this is what you should do to be a doer of the word. This is what you should do. And yet he walked away from the mirror and he forgot who he was and he walked over to the rock and he did it his way. Why? Because there were voices that were in his ear. At the same time the voice of God was speaking to Moses, there were voices, other voices in his ear saying, we need you to do this. We need you to do that. We need you to do it like this. We need you to do it like this. We need you to come to this rescue. We need you to judge this thing. We need you to be this way. And why didn't you leave us in Egypt? We were better off in Egypt. You should have just let us die with our ancestors there. You should have just let us be. Why did you bring us out here to die? And they're just murmuring and complaining. And I wonder today, what voice is the loudest in your ear? Because so often we're looking in the mirror and as we're looking, I know it's hard to see a message that is both visual and, and sound related. Because the reality is when you're looking in the mirror, God is speaking. And when we look in the mirror, God is speaking to us saying, this is what it takes for you to be what I see. And then we try to hear that, but sometimes... Other voices are too loud. And, you, and here's the thing. We struggle all the time to let other voices compete. We let everything else compete with God for, your, for our attention. And then when we walk away from the mirror, we forget what kind of man or woman we are. This is... This is something that every one of us battle with, and I'm, I'm closing. I, did I say that already? Okay, so that's my first close. Um, so many of us battle with, with not being what God has seen in us, what God sees. When we walk out, I want to tell you that this morning, every one of us has a chance to look through the looking glass of faith. Every one of us has a chance to look in the mirror. And in that mirror, at the same time we're looking, we have the chance to hear God and hear what He is saying over us and hear what He's calling us to be and see the picture that His words are manifesting of who we should be. But so often, we miss here because of all the distractions. I come to tell you this morning that the devil will never quit making noise. There's scripture in Revelations, I didn't take time to look it up, but there's scripture in Revelations that talks about some of the, well, I, I would get it wrong if I tried to, uh, to pinpoint where it's at. But it talks about the, the voice of the enemy being, and it says, and I heard the sound of frogs. And sometimes the voice of the enemy, it's not about what he is saying, it's about the fact that he just keeps on saying it. Has anybody ever hung out at a pond late at night and there's a bunch of frogs and I mean they get so loud sometimes you can't even hear yourself think they're just and there's can you imagine that in in some kind of unison there's no harmony to frogs croaking so it's not in harmony it's just in a unison that just on and on and and before I mean you're I don't know about you but when I was young I'd be at the pond and them frogs frogs would get going I'd go over and try and find one kick it in the water just get it out of here because I couldn't stand that noise and that's the reality of how the devil is in our ear so oftentimes 
We're just hearing. It's not about, it's not, I mean, yes, he's speaking lies and maybe we're strong enough to not pay attention to the lies, but we just keep hearing the voice. We keep hearing the sound. We just keep hearing the devil in our ear at all times. And what is he doing? He's trying to distract you from what God is saying. If he could just distract you, he's already won. All he needs you to do is look in the mirror, see what God sees, and walk away and forget it. Forget what kind of man or woman that you are. You see, this is the same problem that we run into when we, when we see people that do pronounce curses over themselves. When what's coming out of your mouth is wrong, this is the last note I want you to write down. When what comes out of your mouth is wrong, it's not a problem with your vocal cords. It's a problem with your ears. How many, of, how, how many are moms in the house today? If you ever have a baby who's having trouble speaking, the doctors do not go, wow, baby, let me dig in your throat and see what's wrong with your vocal cords. The first thing that the doctor checks is the ears. They don't immediately go and say, oh, the voice is messed up. They're not talking. They say there must be something wrong with the hearing. And this seems to be the case for so many believers. That what we're saying doesn't add up to what God is showing us because we have trouble hearing Him over all the noise. The devil is not going to stop distracting. The question is, where will you turn the deaf ear to? And can you be keen enough in your senses of hearing to be able to tune out what the devil is saying and tune in to what God is saying. That, that song we sang this morning about availability, it says, if it seems like we've lost all composure and pride, seems like we've laid all restraint to the side, if we seem desperate, it's just because it's true. I've got to get to the line I'm trying to think of. It says... If it seems like we're tuning all the other voices out, we're still listening, but we're listening. Let me go back and read James so that we can bring this thing full circle as I close this morning. It says, "But but be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For when he observes himself, then he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. When you hear the word of God and you don't put it into action, you're like a man who looks in the mirror and sees a man of integrity but walks away and forget what kind of man you were. It's a correlation that God is saying that you have to hear what I am speaking over you as you look and see yourself in the mirror of God and you begin to see Jesus in you. Then the question is, will you apply what he is saying to you? Stand to your feet with me in this house. What God says in his word, if we will become doers, will manifest in our sight. So this morning, my question for you is...